This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Riley and Robbie Hyde. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast, a special live recording on YouTube with not only my co-host Robbie Hyde, who is wearing his MLB Trade Values t-shirt, which is appropriate today, baseball trade values. So we're going to get into that, but also our special guest, Tyler Wardy, NYM, is going to join us. Welcome, Wardy. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. I appreciate it. Always happy to talk shop with you guys. And we're going to get into Yamamoto in a minute. We're going to talk about all that because that certainly has a Mets connection for you. Uh, Yamamoto has a a Red Sox connection for, for Robbie. He's got, I think it's all, I think it's pure leverage, but there's a Blue Jays connection too. Uh, Wardy, you tweeted it out earlier, uh, you know, a Blue Jays fan, a Red Sox fan, and a Mets fan walk into a bar with Yamamoto aspirations. What could go wrong, right? Um, so we're going to get into all of that. Everybody watching live on YouTube, be sure to check out the podcast because at around the 25-minute mark, it will, those watching the replay, spoiler alert, transition over. You will have to catch the last half of the show on the podcast. But those of you that are live, you're, you're here for the whole thing. You're not going to have any interruptions Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Turn on those automatic downloads, and let's get into this thing. Let's start. We will let Tyler, we'll let Wardy, you are our guest. We will let you go first. Thoughts on this, Tyler Glass? Now to the Dodgers and Pepio to the uh, Pepio to the Rays, and some other pieces to Luca to the Rays, Margot to the Dodgers as well. For anybody that needs a refresher on the trade, your thoughts on the deal? I think that this is as close to a win-win as you could get, especially mm-hmm. in a raised trade. I really like this move for both sides. For the Dodgers, they get a frontline starter in glass now who has a lot to prove still after having a career-best season with only 120 innings pitch. But we all know the stuff with glass now. You know, he already is killing Murphy's doppelganger, so it's fitting that he's in L.A. so he can really be, have that Hollywood element to himself. But in all seriousness, glass now, I think he's a great fit. The fact that they're likely going to extend him now even makes more sense because of them giving up Pepio in this deal. And for the Rays to get that arm is huge. That's the exact type of return I'm looking for. If I'm Tampa here, you already have essentially your glass now replacement right there. And we know Tampa is a team that's never going to spend big dollars, at least in the foreseeable future for pitching. So if you're going to get young, controllable talent, in which I don't know amount, how many years Pepio has, you can let me know in a second. 
you know, you have to love that if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan because Glassdale was always going to be leaving as much as he enjoyed his time in Tampa. They weren't going to extend him. It just it makes a lot of sense. Emmanuel Margot, again, a guy who has done solid against lefties at times, but more so a fourth outfielder at absolute best, not a guy that you want playing every day. But if there's one organization that can make subpar outfielders pretty good, it's the L.A. Dodgers, which is why they brought back Jason Hayward after having an 800 OPS season. Trace Thompson two years ago doing great things with them as well. Like they always find mm-hmm. ways with these lesser pieces. So for both sides, I really like this trade. And naturally as a Mets fan, I hope this lessens the Dodgers chances of getting a Yamamoto, but we'll get to that discussion when it's to be had. Uh, Pepio to your point, Pepio is at least four years of control. Maybe yeah, five. Yeah. That's awesome for them. Sick. Um, Robbie, you are our resident baseball trade values uh nerd basically flag bearer banner waiver um your thoughts on this trade from maybe your perspective and also baseball trade values it's a massive overpay for Mm -hmm. the dodgers it's massive like the rays are getting if you're just looking at it from the just from a on paper point of view, like, yeah, Wardy, I agree with you. It's definitely timeline wise, competitive window wise. Well, the Dodgers are always competing. So I don't know if that matters, mm-hmm. but glass they needed a guy like that, a frontline guy. So I understand that's a huge piece you're giving up in Pepio. Like, I don't think people realize like that is a massive piece to give up. No, for, I, if it was like Corbin Burns, that'd be much closer in, in value wise to me maybe there was something to the extension part of it to where Glasnow was open to the extension burns cease maybe weren't. So I think that could have been something that came into play because the Dodgers have been attached with cease and burns, but maybe their goal was to get someone signed and it looks like Glasnow is going to be signed. So maybe that's why they pivoted that way. Um, either way though, the Rays they got a massive, massive picture here. Uh, like you said, under tons of control, I know the Dodgers are going to do the extension, but still with Pepio, he's not even making really that much money and you have him locked up for the next, what was it? Six years or so. Um, he just had his rookie season basically. So it's a huge win for the Rays. Definitely a win for the Dodgers. I just, like you said, Morty, it's, he has a lot to prove, you know, he's hasn't had a lot of healthy seasons really. And I'm going to be honest with you. One thing that scares me with the Dodgers They've been having injuries with their pitching staff. You know, mm-hmm. they've been having guys like Walker Bueller out, Dustin May out. It's definitely been a lot of injuries for them. So I don't know if that really comes into play here, but it just it worries me a little bit from the Dodgers side. But if everything works out, that's massive. That's huge. That's a massive trade for them. I saw Glass now up close and personal being a Red Sox fan. That guy's nasty, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you gotta think also from the Rays point of view. It's huge because look, when, you know, when McClanahan comes back from Tommy John in 25, think about that rotation. You got McClanahan, you got Bradley, now you got Pepio, you got Boz. That's insane. Like you got a one through four of dudes with very high ceilings. So that could be a nasty rotation in 25. I'm just going to say that. But I, I do like it for the Dodgers. Personally, though, I know Dodgers fans are going to hate me. I like it for the Rays a little bit more. That's just my opinion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So. <laughs> the, the, the Dodgers element, think of it as the collective, right? Think about what they're trying to build with that rotation. The, they have figured out how to get through 162 and be at the top of that division. What they need to figure out is how to get through October and be playing in the World Series. And this is another move that cannot be done because I do not think this can be the final move to get them to the point. I feel like they're trying to build a super rotation. We know they're in on Yamamoto, and we're going to talk about Yamamoto in a minute. This thing goes to an unseen level if they can pull that off because then you've got Bueller and Yamamoto, one and one, followed by Glass now at a solid three. He's a two. He can pitch up to a one. I think there's a very good chance that Clinton think about Clayton Kershaw at this point, right? Why would you not go back to the Dodgers in the summer? You can go play with Shohei Otani. You can be a part of this super rotation. You maybe only have to pitch half of the year and, and go make a world series run and try to ride off into the sunset in that fashion. So it makes all the sense for Kershaw to come back. So if you have those four, then your number five is Bobby Miller. And that's a great situation to be in. So they're with Tyler Glass now. If they can get Yamamoto, they're sort of building this super rotation. And I think if they lose out on Yamamoto, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out there and try to make a splash with one of the free agents that are left. I could see them uh, trying to work their way into something because I think they are set on having as many aces that they can stack the deck with. So when it gets to October, even if a few aces have fallen off, whether it's through injury or poor performance they still should have a few more aces that they can throw out there and get through i will say this part of this is the arizona diamondbacks fault if they could have let the dodgers win maybe one game in that <laughs> second round maybe then the dodgers don't do the shame on you d-backs exactly they had to get fancy. everything they had to get fancy they had to sweep the dodgers and because of that look at where we are now this is this is on arizona this is on you this is why this is all happening it's on you blue jays fans you're mad at the dodgers and then and, and caa and you should be mad at the arizona diamondbacks all right um let's get back on track so <laughs> We, I brought up Yamamoto because that is, I think, the other piece that they are going after here, the Dodgers, as they try to build this super rotation. I know that we all would like Yamamoto on our team, but John Heyman is reporting that the Dodgers and the Yankees, at least to him, are the co-favorites. He's still meeting with teams, though. He was meeting with Philadelphia today. We don't know if he's met with the Blue Jays. It is reported that he was going to meet with the Blue Jays. Robbie, maybe you have some details on the Red Sox because he was supposed to be meeting with the Red Sox. I have not seen if that has actually happened or not. Um, Let's kick it. Rob, Robbie, let, let me kick it to you first, and then we'll circle back to Wardy. Um, This Yamamoto thing, where do you think he's going? Do you think the Red Sox have a prayer? I'm going to say this. If he doesn't go to the Red Sox, Ward, if he goes to the freaking Phillies, I can't. I I need I need to see that stream, please. I, I, it's that'd be. He's not going to Philly. They they just they had they had to entertain the Phillies because they know they have money to work with. He's not. Mm -hmm. going there. Oh, if he I'm does, if he does, I'll be the Dave first to say I'm sorry. I'm never and doing I regret it. Everything. I will never count out dealing Dave. I just won't ever do mm -hmm. it because every right. time you do, he takes offense to it and he freaking does it. 
He does the freaking thing. They man. got a Bryce Harper extension to worry about because their boys upset say this, the market right? is, isn't in his favor anymore. <laughs> We're talking one win away from the World Series for the second straight year. I'm just saying, man, they got Wheeler coming off the books. They Don't do. ever, ever let your guard down on Dave Dabrowski. Okay. I'm just saying. We'll see. Yeah. I just think it would be popcorn worthy if that scream of yours happens. That Not for my heart. Yes. Agree. <laughs> we all have to wait. We have to wait for Wardy's open before anybody else can go live. We all have to just, just, we can set it up. We need a Phillies guy on here. Wait. We need a Phillies guy. We need to, we need to get Doug on here for the dog. We need to do just a Yamamoto round table. Anyway, that's not a bad idea with the Red Sox. You know, everyone's been saying right now, like there's no chance the Red Sox are getting him. I think it is more, you're just not hearing a lot about them. And I think they're purposely trying not to put anything out there. We had Chris Cotillo. He actually put it on X a little earlier. Man, it'd be nice if the Red Sox threw a bone, like threw something out there, something to get the Red Sox fans hopeful about something. But then it's like, you go back to last offseason, everyone's complaining that they were having interest in all these guys. And now it's like, we're not hearing anything. And people are still complaining. I don't know. But I think the Red Sox, I don't know what to think, honestly. I just know they have made they have made surprises in the past, and that's the one thing I will hang on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well could be Dodgers, Yankees, even the Mets. the Mets could absolutely have a better chance. They actually went to freaking Japan and had some sushi with the guys, so we didn't and some escargot. Well, well, I mean, I'm just saying. So I don't really know where the Red Sox are, but I do know when I have had that feeling in the past with guys like Dice K, with even guys like David Price, like. I'm just like, oh my God. And then we win the sweepstakes. I'm like, oh my God, we did it. We freaking did it. And I just know I've had that feeling before. When the Red Sox are quiet, that to me is, uh, and that's not coming from a Red Sox point of view. That's just coming from just being a baseball fan for all these years, right? When they're quiet, you don't want to count them out. I'm not saying they'll do it, but I think they're in it. I think they're in it more than people think. I just wonder what's going on with these other teams. You know, the Mets obviously have a very strong case, very strong case. Obviously, they got the money. You got Senga right there, too. The Yankees, obviously, they're really pushing. You know, they have everything going for them. They have the legacy. They have the money, right? They could use someone else in that rotation, you know, with Rodon with a bad year. Um, Are the Giants realistic, right? He would be a star there. He would be the guy. So, you know, I really don't know what to think right now with Yamamoto, Every team has a very good argument to get him. I just wonder what it what it comes down to is it is going to be a bidding war. And we actually had a rumored bid from the Yankees for today from Carlos Baerga back at it with his usual <laughs> but he's scoop. had some stuff before. Some. And this is kind of a weird one to just throw out there. It's like nine at 304 for the Yankees. I'm like, that's kind of a weird one to throw out there. I feel like there could be something to that. I don't know. I think it's going to come down to who is going to tap out when it comes to the offers because it's going to keep going, right? And I think it's going to – who is going to hang it? it – we know the Mets have the money. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to do they – are they going to be comfortable going to that – do they think it's going to be worth it to go possibly even 10 years for you know a guy that's never thrown a pitch, right? That's what I think it's going to come down to. Who is going to – last the longest like the mr beast videos who's going to keep their hand on the plane the longest 
So that's what I really think it's going to be. So when when does Mr. Beast do the video where uh, Yamamoto's standing on a on a tarmac and all of these uh, owners <laughs> are standing there with their with their hands on a a part of his body and and the last owner GM to take their hand off of Yamamoto is the team that gets him. I think maybe Toronto would have a shot in that scenario. Outside of that, I don't know. Um, Wardy, let's kick it to you. I feel like the Mets are going to set the price here. Whether they're not considered a co-favorite by John Heyman or not, uh, Michael Moreno was tweeting that this he's going to go to the high bidder. And I feel like there's no way in the world that Steve Cohen won't be the high bidder. Give me your thoughts. So I'm going to give a quick rundown without going on a tangent on like the pros and cons for each team that's being taken seriously. Okay. Cause I really think it's important because a lot of teams have a really good shot at Yamamoto. And the biggest question mark we have is what is his number one priority? Is it dollars? Is it preference? Is it the championship culture that the Yanks, the Red Sox, the Dodgers have displayed throughout their history? Is it headlining a rotation, not being overshadowed by others on the roster? That's another question, too. Like, there are a lot of these factors that come into play. So I'll start with the Mets. What is to their advantage to having the richest owner in baseball? I'm very confident that Steve Cohen will have the highest offer on the table because the Mets, you can argue, have the most to lose should they not land Yamamoto either. Unlike a lot of these other contending teams that will show an aggressiveness to pursue and uh, potential pivots, whether that's Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, Shota Imanaga, et cetera, the desperation factor won't be as heavy with the Mets because they're not going to allocate all the dollars that they would be investing in Yamamoto elsewhere. They're not going to do this Artie Marino-type mindset where, oh, I just lost out on Garrett Cole or Zach Wheeler. That means I'm going to put it all into Anthony Rendon, right? They're not going to act like drunken sailors in that sense. So they absolutely, I'm very confident, will have the most money on the table. But will that be enough? I don't know. How much does Kodai Sanger come into play? Having the type of experience he had, being a Cy Young caliber player in his first year in the bigs, knowing that the Mets are fresh off of a season like that where they understand what it means to have a six-man rotation, specifically with someone from the MPB. Having Yamamoto would automatically headline the rotation. Sanger would not overshadow him by any stretch. And Sanger would also be able to help kind of pave the way to get him acclimated in Flushing, Queens, which is probably the best area for someone of their descent to go to as well, to be comfortable as well. So there's a lot of factors that help the Mets in that regard. Now let's get on to the Yankees briefly. What's in their favor? It's the fact that Brian Cashman thought it would be cute to hold the number 18 for the past year or two, right? It's having the history that they have. It's knowing that it's the pinstripes. When you think of baseball outside of the States, if you're from Japan, if you're from Australia, if you're from wherever, the first teams that always pop in your head are the Yankees and the Red Sox to the average fan for obvious reasons. So the Yanks have the history. They have the history with Masahiro Tanaka. They have the history with other Japanese players as well having success. So that definitely bodes in their favor there. But the Yankees, I do not foresee being the highest bidder on the table. So if it comes down to say the Yankees are around 304 and the Mets are 310, is that enough of a gap to sway Yamamoto to potentially go from the Bronx to Queens? Or will it need to be 315, 320? Like, how much an overpay are we talking here? And on top of that, does Yamamoto want to be in a rotation where he's overshadowed by Garrett Cole for the foreseeable future? Does that matter at all to him? The Red Sox, that he would be the top dog in that rotation. He would rekindle that six-year relationship or so with Matasaki Yoshida. How much does that come into play? The San Francisco Giants, they've had a big trouble learning guys, as Ken Rosenthal said himself, more than just the Giants organization, but the surrounding area. I firmly believe there's truth to that. That should not be understated, as is the case with some other places. But how much of that would be an appeal to him to be against Otani and against the Dodgers for the next decade, right? The Dodgers, they rolled out the red carpet. They showed the stadium, which is what all teams do, might I add. Showed Otani, Freeman, 
bets. Why does this hurt for everyone else trying to land him? Because the Dodgers aren't just flexing any players or flexing the best players on the planet to just say, hey, compare with me. There's a lot of appeal there. I think after this glass now trade, however, there is a line in the sand on the willingness, the desperation from the Dodgers now versus will not landing someone in glass and caliber. They definitely want Yamamoto, but I don't think that desperation level will be to the extent that it was prior to landing glass. Now they have a cushion now, should they lose out on him? And I think they're very wary of that. Then you get on the Toronto blue Jays. You just got used for leverage twice. Do you want to be a third time? You know, and I don't mean this as, as an insult or anything, but we have to find out reasons to indicate that Yamamoto would go to Toronto. I think he could pitch very well there in that dome, especially is being an MPB pitcher that has to be appealing to a degree, I'd imagine, right? There's familiarity pitching in a ballpark like what Toronto can provide. However, even if they say throw out, maybe they show the desperation. Maybe they have their Artie Marino moment. We couldn't land Otani, but we had over $600 million on the table. So we're going to throw half that at minimum here to Yamamoto and hope for the best. Maybe that could get it done. Then the Chicago Cubs, they've been sneaky in the mix. I wouldn't count them out just yet. They would like pitching. They would like to add there. The Phillies would love to add pitching, but what's their limit? How desperate are they? Do they have a confidence level level and Wheeler return in a year from now? So all these questions go for all these different teams, but it goes without saying, usually money talks, but if the money isn't significant of a gap from one to the next, that's where I could very well see a Yankees, a Dodgers being favored if those preferences end up being those X factors. I have, I have a question for the Mets. And yeah. I actually genuinely actually am curious about this. Yeah. Do you personally think if he goes to the Mets now, obviously we don't know him. We don't know what he's thinking. Do you think there could be a possibility that he feels like he's overshadowing Senga a little bit? I, I don't foresee that only because Senga has been very vocal, both to Mets front office and to mm -hmm media in Japan, how much he wants to be teammates with him. Uh, you know, it's a very different situation than, say, the Dodgers, because Yamamoto would know very well his entire career would be overshadowed by Otani, you know, and then Betts and Freeman to varying degrees, right? So I, I wouldn't foresee that to be the case, but I also can't speak on his behalf. Your guess is as good as mine at that point. But if we're just doing the numbers game, Yamamoto, what he's done at the MPB level, Singa's very aware of that. I think Senga would have no problem kind of put going to the passenger seat and saying, all right, you're the head honcho in this rotation. Let's just go and carve up batters for the next number of years. So that's where it, I would imagine things would be. In New York, like this past year, how much do you think Senga grew in terms of like a star? Like do you like a lot. I, I'm not in New York. I don't I don't know. So like when you go when you walk around Queens, is there like Kadai Senga stuff all over the place? They're they're I quickly noticed because I went to three or four Sanga starts this past season and they were all masterful. He didn't pitch bad in one of them. It was like his best starts all throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And each start, there was a larger contingency of either Japanese or just Asian descent as a whole saw a boatload of Kodai Sanga jerseys as the year was going on. So clearly there's attraction and a fandom being built there. And I could tell you one thing, we're not just talking, you know, Japanese, you know, Chinese, Korean, you know, whatever descent you are. A couple of years ago, I went to a Korean night. It was between the Blue Jays and the Mets uh, with Hanjun Ryu on the mound um, against the Mets in City Field. So many Hanjun Ryu jerseys blew my mind the mm -hmm. amount that we saw. So to kind of give you an idea on how quickly things could gain traction, should you not have one Japanese player that's star level, but another that's already being deemed a Cy Young favorite before the guys even tow the rumber at MLB level. Yeah, there's, I definitely think things would bode well there. And again, flushing in itself is a very appealing area 
for someone like Senga, and I'm sure would be the case for Yoshinobu Yamamoto as well. Is it is it as pretty as you know going to some other parts? Of course not, but still, I think that there is a bit to be excited and intrigued by if you're Yamamoto and you look at the prospect of playing with Senga in this rotation. I don't see it going any other way than one of those three teams, Dodgers, Yankees, or Mets. I, I, I know the Red Sox could be a player. The Phillies could be a player giants, uh, maybe the blue Jays, but I feel like it's, I just feel like it's going to come down to one of those three. And a lot of it has to do with circumstance and, and the situation the teams are in Boston feels like they're a team that is is trying they're, they're trying to get back to that spot and but the Dodgers the Yankees they're in that spot and the Mets coming off of last year such a disappointment they were in that spot last year and they don't want to leave that spot the Red Sox are trying to get back the Blue Jays are trying to get there the Giants have a city problem and I do think that is real um and I'm I'm not here to start talking trash about San Francisco, those that live in and around San Francisco, they know for themselves. And this goes beyond San Fran, too. But they're right. just one of the more prominent cities in which San Francisco's outside issues. San Francisco's really bad post-pandemic. Um, it has really gotten bad. It's 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 kind of disgustingly bad. So there's if you if you bring in your if you bring in your family in again, I'm not I don't want to I'm not gonna go into the whole I'm not I don't I'm not here to trash San Francisco, but I just I think that will be a hurdle. When you have everything else on the table, can you overcome that hurdle? It's out there that Farhan's going to give him whatever he wants. So, I mean, $400 million, come to San Francisco. We'll clean up the streets. We'll get the homeless into shelters. We'll get the shit off the streets. We'll do all these. We'll, we'll open stuff up. We'll, we'll bring the, we'll, we'll bring, what the hell's the the healthy, fresh grocery store? Oh, my God, got? Jim, you might as well be running for office in San Fran because you're giving us a this whole lot of nothing. Mayor Riley, <laughs> okay, I'm coming. No, no, I'm not bringing... Yamamoto with False me. False promises. I've heard this before. There you go. <laughs> I, it seems like it comes down to those three because on top of the, the hurdles that those teams have or the situations they're in, again, the Yankees are in World Series or bust mode. This is one year guaranteed with Juan Soto. So you got to push hard. The Dodgers are in a spot where you've got Otani. You're trying to build this super team. Bueller is probably gone at the end of this season. Uh, the Kershaw, again, if he comes back, this will be his last ride. You're trying to build. You're trying to get over that. Look, I, I keep saying it on my live streams. The Dodgers and Yankees are in World Series or bust mode every single year. And for the last several years, they've been busting. So what are they going to do? They they want to go get better. So there's a desire there, and they have the money, and they have the assets to go and do it. And then the Mets, it's because of Steve Cohen. I'll be honest. If Steve Cohen was not involved, I would not put the Mets in my final three. Because if it was a Walpons, I wouldn't. I would have stopped talking right. about him two months ago. <laughs> so he, you've got a, you've got the owner there that can go out there, and if it comes down to the highest bidder, Steve can just keep going up if he really wants him. So feels like it comes down to those three. Um, we can got, go ahead, Robbie. Go ahead. I was gonna say, however, yeah. it's not just Steve Cohen anymore. It's also David Stearns. Now, Wardy, I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this. Sure. From an owner point of view, because Steve Cohen, it's not just about the money. He's a good businessman, and he mm -hmm. understands there's a, a a personal part to it too. Do you feel like, and maybe I'm just overthinking here, maybe I'm speculating, over speculating, but do you feel like he would be I, I downplaying David Stern's role 
in that process? Like, cause I know with David Stearns, he's coming from a small market. Yep. He's had to really look very highly on high value moves at low costs right now. This is different, but I just wonder the Stearns have a certain limit. And if it gets, if it starts getting too juicy, do you think Steve mm. Cohen just says, no, we're going to do it. Cause this guy is also in his first year. I don't know. I just right. wonder it's could there question. be maybe some, you know, you don't step. I know it's obviously Cohen's it's his, it's his playhouse, right? But how much involvement does he have? Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Like, and st- he brought in David Stearns for obvious reasons, right? Yep. More focus on player development. Not, it's not just about landing the big guys, right? He want, he brought David Stearns in to also make good long-term moves for the organization yeah. as well. So to me, when these guys, and they've been throwing blank checks at Scherzer and Verlander and Marte and like, you know, extension with Lindor it's like when does it stop I guess and so, yeah maybe Yamamoto is the last one I just wonder if there's something there where Stearns and him they're sitting down yeah they went to Japan they got an idea of a number but part of me thinks Stearns is like man I don't know man I don't know if it's worth it I don't know if it's worth going over like 340 for this guy like that's really risky and Steve Cohen we can sit here and say yeah he's a billionaire he became a billionaire by making good business moves. Yes. And he's not just exactly. going to throw money around like crazy. Like it's, it, people need to remember that right now. Maybe I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting the Mets chances. I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm doing this with all the teams, right? I'm looking at things that could hold them back. Do you think that could be something? I, so it's fascinating when you evaluate how much impact Cohen has, because it varies on the player that they pursued. I've, I've noticed from recent years, like, let me put it this way. Um, the Mets landing Max Scherzer was not because of solely Billy Epler, right? It was Steve putting the foot down and saying, I'm going to give him more money on the table than anyone's even going to sniff the idea of. And that's what's going to happen. At least 10 to 20 mil over whatever it ended up being. And then you look at Verlander, similar situation. What did Cohen learn is that the Mets tried the short-term filler for an organization. It's so much disarray and it did not work. It's something that historically has never worked. To headline rotation like that and they learned they went those through those trials and tribulations now some key factors as to why Stearns was brought in is headlined by the great success he had as assistant GM of Houston and of course everything he did in Milwaukee but it was also understanding how to properly build a structure to have sustained success for multiple years on end Cohen idolizes the Dodgers has since day one he even tried buying the Dodgers over a decade ago so you know that he very much loves the idea of having that Dodgers philosophy where you build a great farm, uh, but you're still spending every offseason. But to what degree? You can be willing to part ways with some uh, talent because you know you have young guys up and ready to step up each and every year. Like that's what they're trying to build here. And Cohen's very wary of that. But I'll say this Steve Cohen is still Steve Cohen at the end of the day. When he wants something, he's going to do everything he can to land him. So as soon as he found out last offseason, that Carlos Crabe was made available, that that trade looked like it was starting to fall, the signing was looking like it was starting to fall through. Steve said, all right, let me just go an additional 20, 30, 40 mil, and let's get this thing done. Of course, it fell through, and thank God for that. You know, in hindsight, there are obvious reasons as to why it did. But with Yamamoto, with the certainty, with how everything looks great from not only a health perspective, an age perspective, all these things, you have to imagine that Cohen has some significant pull here. But he's letting Yamamoto be in the driver of the ship. He's not 
pushing him aside like Artem Marino did with Epler and the uh, sweepstakes to land the Wheelers and the Coles. And because Billy Epler's whole mindset was, and he got a bad rap in LA, he wanted to pursue pitching the, the ensuing year after and to hold on to those dollars. But Artem Marino pushed him aside and said, no, we have to make a splash for our fans. Give me Anthony Rendon. It was quickly become one of the worst contracts in baseball's history, right? So I do think there's involvement. To what degree we'll find out. I will say this, Stearns, the point of bringing him in is to not only help bring structure, but to let things not get too irrational, if that makes sense. I don't want to call it a babysitter because Stearns is a diehard Mets fan too. So I also know he's going to operate differently than he has in years past. It's not going to be the same mindset as much as he may indicate it is. There will be some fandom involved. It's just a matter to what degree. All right. We are going to continue this conversation. My throat. It's just anyway, I'll start it. Let me try that again. We are going to continue this conversation. Those of you watching the replay on the podcast those of you watching live you have nothing to do you are in good shape those of you that aren't listening on the podcast right now keep listening but those watching the replay this is where we will part with you those watching live we will continue those watching the replay make sure to click down below the link is there for you to find the rest of the conversation with tyler with robbie we're going to get into maybe if yamamoto goes in one direction which direction should the Mets go? And we'll talk with Wardy about that. I also want to get Robbie's thoughts on Craig getting outbid by the Kansas City Royals. So we're going to get into all of that in the podcast <laughs> section of the recording for those of you watching the replay. For those watching live, you're good to go. For those watching the replay, we'll catch you next time. Those watching live, let's get to let's 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 put an end to the Yamamoto part with that that element that I just alluded to. If Yamamoto goes to the Dodgers or the Yankees or wherever, the Mets have been linked to a lot of other pitchers. Imanaga today has been put out there as a potential fit. You've got Montgomery. You've got Blake Snell. Where do you want them to go if plan A, Yamamoto, goes somewhere else? What's what's plan B for you? I would like them to trade for a controllable starter that could okay. be mid to you know high upside and rotation. I don't think they're going to do that. I mm-hmm. think what's likely going to happen is they're going to do all they can to land one of Shota Imanaga, Jordan Montgomery. They like Monty a lot. He seems like he's number two on their wish list. Uh, not Imanaga, but they like Imanaga too quite a bit. So they're going to try to land one of them. And then from there, probably add one more short-term Severino-type option. Is Lucas Giolito getting anything more than one year? I have a question with that because that's something mm-hmm. where that could be potential fit. Um, you know, those type of more four, fifth-type starters right now, just to round things out. And it would be certainly a feasible rotation next year. Wouldn't be the best by any stretch, but if you start 2024 with Kodai Senga as your number one, Jordan Montgomery, your number two, number three, Jose Quintana, number four, just throwing in Giolito, but like a Tyler Maley type, just someone that fits that bill, Luis Severino, number five. I think that's a palatable rotation up until the trade deadline to see what you have and if you'd like to address. But certainly the Mets are not really going to be a team where I expect them to go all out for Blake Snell, for example. I think that they're turned off by the QO. And personally, if Snell does get seven, eight years, I don't want any part of that. I know I know Steve Cohen has no issue parting ways with contracts if they don't age great. But having said that, you know, when you look at the current state of the team, you could also make a rightful argument that Snell just doesn't make a lot of sense because they are not going to be the best team on paper, even in their division in Mm -hmm. 2024, most likely. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, this is peak Snell right now. And if the Mets don't get to where they want to be until at minimum 2025, 
that's another year of peak Snell then would essentially be wasted, assuming that the Mets wouldn't have a run with him. So mm. again, going back to Yamamoto, that is why he's so appealing because he has the age. He has the upside. He has both the short and long-term factors. That's why every team loves him, including the Mets. And it's hard to find a proper pivot elsewhere because like Otani, he's a unicorn in his own right, where he's just this uber talented guy on president, 25 year old available in the free agent market. Then you have a gap, then there's Snell, then you have another gap, then there's Imanaga, Montgomery, and then there's another gap, and you have everyone else. So I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got the trade for you. Enlighten me. So we know Pete Alonso, trade rumors are everywhere, right? Oh, you son of a gun. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I got a guy. I got a guy that just two years ago was a Cy Young finalist, and he has control for years. He's going to have a bounce back. He needs a change of scenery. And you're throwing Alonzo's name in a bounce back candidate. How so dare we can you, go Jen? Alec Manoa, Pete Alonzo, who says no? Anthony Wrecker. <laughs> That's who says no. That's what you were waiting for. Well, Shout out to you, Wreck, you beautiful SOB. Everyone da- everyone doubted you. The entire country of Canada was on his ass a year ago. They, and wow, bu- everyone ended up, ended up agreeing. And all the yeah. guys said he should work out a little bit more. Would you yeah. agree, Jim? Would you agree I, that Alec maybe should have focused on some conditioning throughout the entirety of the uh, I don't, 2023 season? I, 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 what, however it plays out, I don't think he was ready for that pitch clock. I think the pitch clock wrecked him, and you know he was not prepared for that. We, whether that was a mental thing, a physical thing, a mental and physical thing, I don't think he was ready for the pitch clock. And, okay. and we know. I mean, I know you've talked to pitchers. That pitch clock is a bitch. And yeah. that was something that I think got to Manoa. And I'm hoping that this offseason – the whole purpose of this offseason is to be able to be conditioned to the point where you can fire a ball every 15 seconds and it not slow you down. Um, I do want to get to Robbie real quick, uh, but I want to get to some super chats real quick because I, 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 Pat Benson with the super chat. Wardy, you need to spread the good word. If the Braves suck, give me a hell yeah. I didn't say that. Pat yeah. said that. I'm going to get in trouble. Shout out to Pat. Pat's been doing this on the channel for a minute now. Like, even like, even when we're not playing the Braves. I know we're a little brother to the Braves. So, before Braves fans go out of your way saying, how dare you say that? We're so good. We always win the division. I understand. Yes, well aware. Still, give me a hell yeah. Shout out to you, Pat. Appreciate the dono. That's uh, fantastic. We have another super chat from Taylor. Love listening to you guys. Where do the Cubs go? I'm in the meme of poking the do something on the cubs i'm the meme of poking do something on the cubs um i thoughts about where the cubs could go again i still think you guys have bellinger right like robbie i'll circle back to my question for you in a minute but um cubs let's give taylor some uh some some breath to his super chat here i feel like bellinger is the way to go bellinger and some pitching what about you yeah, I would say, yeah, if you can get Ballinger back, that'd be nice. Could you go after Imanaga? You know, they've been really, really good with the pitching development over the last few years. I could see them maybe being interested mm-hmm. in a guy with that mix. Mm-hmm. He's scared. I don't know. He scares me to be as for the Red Sox, honestly. I, I've been seeing a lot of Red Sox fans out there, you know, saying, oh, Imanaga, that'd be a good fallback option. He scares the crap out of me at Fenway Park. I don't know. Ooh. But, Yep. Imanaga gave up a lot of bombs at the MPB level. So oh my God. Like, that's what I'm too. saying, man. Like, yeah, he's got some stuff. I, I Big park. understand that. 
but Caleb Orr also had good stuff, right? <laughs> no, that's it doesn't, it doesn't oh, no. really mean just... everything. I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know, man. I think he'll, right. he'll definitely be better than Keigawa, in my opinion, but uh, I don't know, man. But I, the Cubs, though, right, they've done really well with pitchers, and I could see a guy like that being intriguing to them. I think that could be a pretty nice piece for them, honestly. Um, you know, there's definitely some other guys out there. Could you bring Stroman back, right? Everyone's forgotten about Marcus Stroman all of a sudden. I don't know. So, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I think Ballinger would be really nice to bring back. Um, could you bring in Reese Hoskins, you know, something like that, power I bat? Like that. I like so, that. You know, yeah, you got you got stuff out there. The Cubs well, they got they got some money to spend too. So. One more super chat, Lamar Lackey. I think Yamamoto is overrated. Lamar, get out. No, I'm kidding. Don't nobody ban <laughs> no, Lamar. Lamar's fine. Even Lamar's if he's fine. Not a Mac, get out. It's, it's, um, <laughs> I think Yamamoto's overrated. I think he's going to break down because he is very small. Well, I mean, look, what if how he plays out in Major League Baseball. We will see, but scouts love him. Teams love him. Very educated uh, front office executives love him. I think we need to trust that they all love him. So, and they know what they're doing. Ooh. If this was like one team in on him, that'd be one thing. But it, he he is universally uh, desired across the league. I've already read there's been some studies done on Yamamoto's size and how it would translate to the MLB level. And unlike what you would see with average guys that aren't even six foot, which is the case with Yoshi, he actually projects very well given his arm slot and his overall windup. There are positives to it from everything that I've read. So that's actually the least of my concerns. And um, if there's at least someone that we can look at and equate to having success while being smaller statured, uh, whether you love him or hate him, because I know there's a lot of controversial opinions with him. Marcus Stroman is a guy that's been able to steadily be a solid MLB starter. Mm-hmm. I'm not comparing his talent whatsoever to Yamamoto's because they're not in the same class, but just speaking on the size matter of someone below six foot that's been effective at the MLB level. If Stroke can do it, I, I'm going to go on the limb and say Yamamoto can too, and to yeah. a higher magnitude. I agree. Uh, one more super chat. Looks like it's the last one on the board right now. Uh, Regal with the super chat. What are your thoughts on Roki Sasaki? The next big thing, yes, I think we can all probably universally agree that after Yamamoto at uh, Sasaki, no, he so wants good. to come over now, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, uh, maybe next year, but yes, when he's ready to be uh in this uh major league baseball scrum it, that that Yamamoto is going through, I think Sasaki, I mean, guys, are you with me on this? I think, I think Sasaki might go even bigger than Yamamoto what do you think yeah yeah uh, Robbie what what number if Yamamoto touches like 350 this season, yeah like we're talking at I least think so four. now here's the thing if Sasaki gets posted next offseason I think there's only a limit on how much he can make yes on how that contract breakdown yeah is. if I'm yep. not mistaken I think it's like six to seven mil so I don't think Sasaki's hitting the states anytime soon Mm-hmm. unless they're able to restructure the rules of the MVP because they changed right. after Otani left as well. Because like, for example, if Sasaki was available this off season, uh, his club would make $0 in posting fee. Mm-hmm. And which is why he's not, it's not happening this year. That's for certain. Mm-hmm. And next year is a big question now, but I'd imagine there might be some rule changes implemented because this is a tricky one. Yep. And I, I don't think the MPB is going to appreciate too more of their top tier talent with multiple years of control, all asking to get out of there sooner. Do the players have the right to do so? Absolutely. If I'm Sasaki, I'm, I I shouldn't have even went to the MPB, you could rightfully argue. Like, just go right to the States, even if he's mm-hmm. like 16. However, uh, he's stuck in this now, so he may have to deal with the consequences of that. 
and going forward, you know, how does the MPB go about this? Because they have to look at it not only for the players' best interest, but also their best interest that they're still making the multiples and millions off of these key guys. You know, whether you like it or dislike it, that's completely your opinion. But the reality is, is that this is a business at the end of the day. And these teams and the organizations certainly are going to care about getting compensated heavily for parting ways with top talent. One more super chat coming through. William Fulgham, thank you for the donation. Much respect to Wardy, NYM, and Robbie, and Ballcap Mets still chasing LOL. William, thank you, William. You are, I, I, I hop into Robbie's streams and, and Tyler's streams, and, and William, you do a fantastic job. He's amazing. All three of us. Um, OG, OG, uh, William. Lamar, this time you guys get the super chat. You can control the conversation. That's basically what's happening right now. I have a juicy one teed up for Robbie and I can't even get to it. I'm giving him way too much time to think of his response to just barrel back thank at you me. For the dono Lamar. I appreciate that. Lamar. Thank you. Wardy. The caller on your show still got me pissed. I bet he would not say that in nobody's face. Right. No, uh, Wardy was no. talking about that earlier. Um, <laughs> Lamar. Thank you for that. Okay. I think that clears us up. Robbie. Yes. What is Craig doing? How in the world does the Kansas city Royals out bid Craig Breslow in the Red Sox. Is this another Heim Bloom or are you, are, are you happy that Lugo's not even in the equation? I hear the word outbid one more time. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I'm going to absolutely lose it. Okay. Listen, if I'm on a car lot, right. And I see a 2019 Honda Accord, right? 20 grand. Let's whatever random number. But if I see a brand new Honda Accord, just sitting there for maybe 25, yeah, I'm going to pony up an extra five grand and go get that instead, right? Yep. I'm not overspending for Seth Lugo. You know Seth Lugo, Wardy. Yes, he's he's Michael solid, Walker, right? baby. That's all I'm hearing right now. Listen, I'm just saying. <laughs> 34 years old, just became a starter, basically. You don't know what the heck this guy is going to do. Yeah, I would have liked him. I'm, I'm surprised not he stayed as healthy as he has last season. Yeah, like he had a good season last year. I'm not, there's nothing against Lugo, but if I'm looking at, the perspective from the Royals, they already have a hard time getting guys. And and if, if, I, if anyone has room to talk, I called it for the Royals. So no one else did. I'm pointing that out first and foremost. Thank you. Um, but no, the Royals absolutely were in a good position to go get him because they needed someone. I didn't expect them to go get Jordan Montgomery or Blake Snell, but Lugo was a guy that I could see for them, like a mid-tier guy that they could overpay a little bit for. You know, obviously they're not gonna they're not even gonna spend, you know, the big bucks, but if and of course they're not gonna overspend, right? So if they could overspend on anything, it'd be a mid-tier guy, right? Mm -hmm. So that to me made sense. The Red Sox to me, I don't think outbid. I think they just said, uh, okay, we're we're not spending 45 yep. million on Seth Lugo. Like it's a, I, they left the table, right? It was they just didn't want to do it anymore. They want to go home and go to bed, right? They were done with it. Right. So Solid they said, move. all right, Kansas City, have fun. Yeah. Right? We're not doing move. Yeah, to me, I like it for the Royals, right? But for the Red Sox, right. mm -hmm. I just think it's they just didn't see the value there. Thirty-four, you know, yeah. Let yep. the Royals have that for. And he has a player right. option after the second year. Yeah, so there is that too. So I think for the Red Sox, I, I just didn't. It would have been nice. I would have liked him, mm -hmm. but they need to focus on top of the rotation guys. Like That's... you could have had Lugo for some. You know, for a little something, sure, right? And who knows? Maybe you're going to trade for him at the trade deadline. You never know. <laughs> I don't think Lugo's going to ride out the next two years in KC. I really don't. Uh, I think he'll be a perfect trade chip. Mm -hmm. I, I, honestly, why not? Yep. 
Yep. So. You, you, the Red Sox need to be in in uh, need to be hunting big game right now. And Seth Lugo, next thing you know, you're going to go down the road. The Cardinals go down where you can just get get some innings guys, and then you you, you spend as you spent the same amount on innings guys as you could have gone out and and spent on on a on a splashy type addition that truly improves the rotation. So I think uh, the Seth Lugo thing, stay focused on the big game, Montgomery's Snell's. Mm-hmm trades for other pitchers i think that's that's the way to go yeah i also i wanted to share too uh like my personal backup plan for the red Sox. like if they don't get yamamoto for Mm me montgomery is perfect the guy's already Mm -hmm. in boston he's literally living in boston for the offseason because of his wife the dude is such a red Sox. i can't even say it anymore like it's it's already lining up they already like they showed interest him in the general gives me heavy lester vibes i see it uh, that's what i'm saying. like Ooh. yeah like yeah it's to me it's a solid move right it's a move he's gonna be a you know two three in your rotation right that's and i think that's money well spent right because you need a guy that's gonna give you some innings some durability i like the idea of him i would love him and yamamoto that might be wishful thinking but to me if the red Sox don't get the star in yamamoto i would like them to just add innings that you know you're going to get and <laughs> might sound a little crazy. I'd like to see what Andrew Bailey could do with Lucas Giolito. I've, I've warmed up to it a little bit. Andrew Bailey is a guy that he can be a game changer for you, man. Mm. He did so good with the giants over the last few years, really got a lot out of those guys. Right. To me, I'd like to see, cause Giolito to me is a workhorse. And I think if you can get him back to being like that four ERA kind of guy, I'm okay with that. And then see sale, maybe keep progressing towards some more innings, some better health. Bayo takes another step forward. You know, you got Pavetta there, Crawford in the back end. Maybe Hauk could take a step forward, possibly. I think the Red Sox, if you added Montgomery, Giolito, I think there's potential for a, a top 15 rotation, have a good bullpen, good bats. Could be a wild card contender at that point. I'd be okay with that. It's not my dream offseason, but. I would go into the season feeling okay, I guess. My, so. my question to, is to you, Jim, because I know mm-hmm. you've been doing great as the host, but like we got to know, how mm-hmm. would you feel, you know, if Yamamoto does not land in Toronto, what is your ideal remainder of the offseason for them, especially after unfortunately having your high highs and your low lows? I don't want them to get Yamamoto. I okay. think that it would be a, miss, a misuse of funds. Like this team... The whole Otani thing, that was I a unicorn that. budget. That was like a one-time thing. Like that, It's not like they then are going to now go invest that money in other areas, and here comes Yamamoto, and here comes Bellinger, and here comes Blake Snell, and they're going to trade Chris Bassett for Pete Alonso. Um, <laughs> these things, the, the Blue Jays are in a spot now. It's it's really tricky because they're, they're, there's talk now that they're uh, pivoting or, or they could be pivoting to Cody Bellinger after the Otani thing. I don't even, even love Christian that. Yellich. What's that? Take, even take Christian Yelich rumblings out there. And I don't like that either. This <laughs> is, a, I'm in a weird spot because Christian Yelich is, is paid to be a guy that delivers at the very least a 150 OPS. And what he has delivered the last four seasons is, a, is somewhere between 100 and 110. For the last four seasons. So that's who he is now. So the expectation level, Christian Yelich, there's a name and there's a contract and there's those two years that you get really excited about. 
but I don't think he's that guy anymore. I don't even want to, I don't care if Milwaukee's going to pay for it. I don't want that. I, I want the Blue Jays to go do something ridiculous, something that people are saying, no, that's not going to happen. And I don't know what that is. That is a trade for Bregman. That is a trade for Pete. That is a trade for uh, Robert. These are all things I'm saying won't happen. And unfortunately, that's the situation that I'm at with the Blue Jays is I feel like they need to do something that isn't going to happen because Cody Bellinger, really? Six, seven years, $250 million for Cody Bellinger? Where's where's the money coming from for that, by the way? Because, again, they, the, the budget thing. We went that high for Otani. That's it. It was the unicorn budget. And that was made clear before this thing really got going that they had their operating budget, Minus the unicorn and then with the unicorn. So now we're back down here with, and all that we know as Blue Jay fans is that the, the Jays are looking to hold, be at the level they were at last year. And if that is the case, then after they pay out their arbitration dollars and all the other money that's uh, allocated, they got like 15 million bucks to work with. So they're in a weird, they're in a really weird spot. Jays fans that have their hopes up. I think it could only get worse. I'm at a point where this is what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Jock Peterson. I'm looking at my splash is JD Martinez. Like, and they're two DHs, so that doesn't even work. I'm in a I'm I'm in a dark place when it comes to the Blue Jays and this offseason and what I expect. And it's not necessarily because of Otani. I was there before the whole Otani sweepstakes got going. I saw there was there was a lot of talk about the Blue Jays could do this, the Blue Jays could do that. I'm like, guys, the money doesn't work. Like if if we have been told the money's this, the money doesn't work to go out and get all those guys. It's a, it's a blessing that Matt Chapman declined that qualifying offer. If he had been the one guy that accepted it, the Blue Jays would be over budget. So they're in a weird spot. Uh, that's a long winded way of saying they're in a they're in a weird spot. And I quite frankly don't know what the next move is because there's so many question marks around what they could do. Jim, final thing I'll say. Yeah, I'm still pissed off that you guys didn't do enough in 2021, just like the Mets. Oh man, uh, like that it, was that team almost lives rent free in my head just as much as the Mets team then. Yeah, because I remember in person seeing Bo, seeing Vladdy, Simeon, seeing Simeon, seeing yep. Teoscar, seeing Lourdes. Like the mm-hmm. list went on. That lineup was absolutely disgusting. I'm twenty. They didn't even make two. I'm for referring to not twenty twenty one. My mistake. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty twenty two. They didn't even make the playoffs. That unbelievable. Year. Uh, no, no, that was twenty twenty one because twenty twenty two was the year they made the playoffs and they and it was yeah. the Mariners. We just beat them out for the wild card. Yeah. Yep. The oh, uh, it was yeah, that's right, but still pre expanded. They didn't playoffs, have Gosman. They didn't have Gosman. It was that middle year. It was that they had Robbie Ray. It was that middle year before they expanded the postseason, which started in twenty twenty two. 2020, they made the postseason because they expanded it due to the shortened regular season. The year they did make the playoffs out of the last four, the one year they made was probably the year they had the best offense. And that has been the thing about this team these last four years. They get into the postseason and they have trouble with the bats. They go they go quiet. And that's uh, that 2021 team, I think, could have raked in the postseason. So, yeah, no, that's... Oh, That's that, that. That, um, that line that Vlad had. Oh, God. He would have been MVP if there was no Shohei Otani. If uh, if, yeah. if Otani wasn't doing two things, uh, he would have been the MVP that year. Yeah. it uh, That year, that 2021 year. 
Oh, I just realized now there goes uh, the likely chances of anyone not named Shohei Otani getting NL MVP for the next number of years. You know, next next year, I think, is the exception because he won't be pitching. Right. That is, I think, the time for anyone else to shine. But should he return back to form in 2025? It's over. Like, that's it. It was a nice run. (laughs) Vladdy for MVP. Vladdy for MVP 2024. I'm calling a big year for Tatis Jr., man. I'm feeling Me it. Too. That's like how Jim felt, yes. Ronald Acuna Jr. He tried telling us in the car at spring training for like 20 minutes, telling <laughs> you guys, Ronald Acuna Jr., it's happening. You were right. Like, I hate that you were right with that, Jim. But- I'll always remember that because I'm like, I think I, I see him being like a 5'6", Fangraph War player. Everyone's like, no, he's done. He's done. Uh-huh. Jim's like, nope, MVP. I'm feeling yeah. the same with Fernando Tatis. Tatis is going 40-40 next season. Book it. Write it down. Right Dude, now. I, I feel it. I feel it. Especially with Soto gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's he maybe. I mean, you, you'll get a full season, right? He missed what was it, three weeks? He missed three weeks last year. Maybe he wasn't right. I don't know. Just didn't Nando didn't look right last year. Defense was great, but it was the same thing I, as Acuna, basically. Like and he was well, a you know. I, I so. guess I mean, something something was off, and, and if he can get that right, yes, Tatis is the NL MVP. Stuff like, dude, timing is such a thing, man. Like mechanics and everything, it's such a thing. Well, it was um, who who was the mechanics guy? Uh, Cody, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, that was another one. It really the, shows like it takes time to really get it back. Big like, Luffy yep. Swain. Yep, they fixed him. They they. I mean, it's it's to be seen if he has been fixed. We got to see 2024, 2025, but he really feels like the changes he made, they put, they did the side-by-side comparison on MLB network recently, or they put it up again and they showed what he was doing with the Dodgers and they showed what he was doing with the Cubs. It's like, Oh, that looks good. That's why I want him to go back to the Cubs because if he goes to Toronto or if he goes to anywhere else, who's to say he doesn't fall back into those bad habits and he needs that. I mean, it's going to be, it's the different uh, coaching staff there now, but uh, you would think that he could stay in that, 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 that mode that the likelihood is higher. He stays in that mode with the Cubs than if he goes somewhere else. And again, thing, things start to change. He feels like he can do things his way in Toronto. He doesn't have to do what he was doing in Chicago anymore. And next thing you know, he's hitting 210 again. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I think a lot rides on uh, the belief from teams, how much they project belly to stay at this similar level, you know, like Mm -hmm. five years for Ballinger. I think every competing team should be in on that six, seven, eight. This is, that's where you really start to lose my interest. Yeah. We did have a super chat coming from Raul. Uh, Jays can get Corbin or Adamas or Yelich. So Corbin it was out there that he's been pulled that that the Brewers are pulling him off and they want to hold on to him. They're, they're considering keeping him. Now that may be leverage. That may be, hey, let's 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 pull him off the market and get you thinking you can't have him anymore, and then see what you do. So that could be a leverage play, or it could be legit. It could be what they're doing. Adamus, Adamus's OPS has been going down every year for the last three years. And again, I outlined my Yelich concerns. I, I, I even if Milwaukee's going to pay for all of that, uh, a guy that's a, a one ten OPS in left field. I get he's a lefty bat, but nineteen home runs last year was the most he had hit since those two big monster years with Milwaukee. I don't trust it, and I wouldn't want to give up prospects. Robbie, I saw you had you had put together a baseball trade values uh, package for Yelich with the Blue Jays. 
I wouldn't want to give up players that actually have value without having to send money for Christian Yelich. I'd rather try to turn guys that actually have value on their own into something. Like I think it was Davis Schneider and Zuleta maybe were the two. Like send them in a package and bring somebody in that I'm not carrying, you know, either this this big heavy contract or um this this disappointment that has has become unfortunately the way for Christian Yelich these last few years. You know, there's there's an Otani update that just came out. If you guys would like to hear, I saw it. that. Let's saw do that. it. What is it? Sources: Artie Marino and the Angels failed to match Shohei's seven hundred million dollar contract offer with the Dodgers, even after Otani's camp circled back and tried to continue negotiations oh. into his free agency. And I quote: "The Angels had every opportunity." Hmm. Wow. Mm. You're telling me Artem Marino didn't make the best decision? Maybe he did. Wow. I don't know. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. I think he did. Because Marino wants from contracts have proven to not work. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I honestly think, I know this might sound crazy. I'll probably get flamed for it. I think it's a blessing in disguise for the Angels. It very well could be. It, no I, one's proven need... yet on those type of long-term contracts to be worthwhile yet. It could affect their selling. Yeah, like it could affect their selling points to the players. Like, hey, we got Otani. Like, but now this really frees it up. Honestly, go freaking go get Blake Snell. Like that dude yeah. is such a West Coast guy. Like, whoever just throws the most money at him, who just what if pitch. he wants the Dodgers if they don't like Yamamoto? Oh my god! My could you imagine that? Padres fans would be on you know what watch. That wouldn't be oh, good. Jesus, but yeah, like you know it's. They can go get Snell. You can go. JD Martinez was just there. Go get him. Like you can go out there now, and you have flexibility to patch mm. up multiple spots on your roster. You know, you can. You know, yeah, Otani's a big bat to lose, but maybe you can add a couple. You know, in there to give it some extension. Add pitching. They need pitching. You know, the offense has always been fine, but they need pitching. So, I don't know, what man. Is this, I, what does this do to the Angel fan base? Like, they're already on edge, right? After everything last year, losing him, how they handled the trade deadline, and then the uh, the August 1st deadline. Like, this is, if you're a fan of the Angels, at what point do you divorce the team and go find somebody else? Like, we don't really do that in sports. Like, you're kind of, you, you, even if you're in an abusive relationship, you got to stick it out. Uh, but this is starting to get to a point where it's like they wouldn't even so they wouldn't match. You kind of wonder where they were at. That's uh, I don't know if that's in the L.A. Times. That's the uh, what you know, what we're referencing is from Jack Harris. And he's got uh, the full article link on L.A. Times. We can read that off uh, off air. But if you're an Angels, if there's there's there, it feels like there's two franchises right now that if you're a fan, you have the right to divorce this team. The athletics, for obvious reason, and the Angels, because this owner just doesn't seem to have the best interest of the fan heart. But again, Robbie, maybe you're right. Maybe this works out. And uh, but that's if you're an Angel fan, that's got a that's just a kick in the nuts after after you're already down. Yeah, uh, that just that hurts. I feel I feel for Halos fans on another level. Mm -hmm. I really do because for many years they've had very similar situations to the Mets as as two teams and and you know big yeah. states big market areas but they've been overshadowed by a more historic organization that's been there longer and they just have not found 
that consistent playoff success. Like the not having any type of deep run with Mike Trout when Trout has already hit his peak, his back isn't going to get any better. Like that infuriates me to no end. That man has deserved to be in such a bigger spotlight than I feel he's been in throughout his career. Like, eh, man, oh man. And now Otani, you waste five years of him. Ridiculous. That just shows to me, like, just how poorly built the Angels are, right? Like their whole infrastructure was, you know, it's like, part. you know, you see the meme parking the Lamborghini in a trailer park. (laughs) That's basically what it was. Like, you know, you, just didn't have a good infrastructure. You didn't have a good prospects coming up, mm-hmm. but they're starting now to get some youth. Right. And I, I think, I think the angels still could be okay. Um, it's going to, you know, they need pitching. Their pitching has been terrible pitching. the last few years, even with Otani as a whole. Yeah. So. Pitching, pitching, pitching. Um, all right, let's do, let's do something fun spur of the moment thing. Uh, before we get out of here, Wardy, give me a move that, Give me a Mets move that has to happen, not Yamamoto. Mets move that has to happen. Has to happen Yamamoto. or like, uh-uh, don't talk to me today. If if, 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 if if this player goes somewhere else. Ooh, that's tough. Um, who's okay. if you if you have a dartboard, who's Who's in the who's who's the bullseye again? Oh. I know Yamamoto's there it's right tough now because I don't really have anyone bullseye on other than Yamamoto. So yeah. I'll just give you preference. I I really hope David Robertson returns and can be the setup man to Edwin Diaz that he never yeah. got a chance to be last year. So I'll yep. start there. I also think the Mets absolutely need to get a both solid defender but bat first outfielder, and there's a solid chance that they don't do that, which is mm-hmm. going to have me fairly frustrated and filled with reservations heading into the season. So like Teoscar Hernandez, like again, they don't need to get him, but he's a guy that I think would be a nice fit, especially if you're not paying his premium, which would have been the case two seasons ago. So that's kind of where I stand right now. I just, there's so much uncertainty with them outside of Yamamoto. It's very difficult for me to try to pinpoint what I think they need. There's only one thing I truly believe they need to do. And that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. And the problem is, A lot of other fans and a lot of other fan bases, a lot of other owners feel the exact same way. So, you know, Um, I'll leave you with that. Robbie, I'm going to, you're going to think I'm going to ask you the same question, but you had too much time to think about it. So I'm going to pivot. Give me the American League East team that doesn't finish above 500 in 2024. We all think that they probably all could, but I got to think that somebody, just like last year, somebody's not going to do it. Who's what? Give me, give me the American League team that does not finish above 500. Right now, my Red Sox are not finishing above 500. They're just, they're not, they're not there. Like yep. they, even if guys take a step forward, they could. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. The Rays always do it every single year. The Orioles, <laughs> the Orioles, man, they're so good. But like the only, I think the Orioles now they're going to be that team that you're going to have to worry about every single year. It's just a matter of can they get over the hump in the postseason. That's what mm-hmm. I think it's really going to come down to for them. I think the Yankees are going to be good now. You know, now that you've got a bat that protects Judge, you know, it gets Stanton going. I mean, good grief. That's a really good middle Verdugo, of the order. Red Sox killer now. Dude. Yeah. Tell me about it. Baby but, face, clean shaven. Oh, God. Did <laughs> I, so earlier on my stream, I opened up Twitter 
And I'm like, oh my god, everyone, you need to just see the horror that I just saw. It was freaking Verdugo, clean shaven. I like, I was like, what am I looking at? I'm, this is a giant baby on my screen. I don't. Yes, he looks like a, he looks like he's 14. <laughs> it was so cue the SpongeBob you know, meme, just screaming, my eyes. <laughs> like that's uh-huh. literally what it is. <laughs> my eyes, like, god, literally just like that. God. Verdugo, I wish him the best. I hope he does well. There you know. go. We'll see. But no, I don't like my Red Sox right now. I just don't. Right now, it they're just not there. Uh, but I'll be honest with you. Even with Yamamoto, they're still not there, in my opinion. They still need mm-hmm. a lot of things to get themselves going. They need. There's a lot of still what ifs there, right? Same still, with my in my mind. opinion, you still need someone else besides Yamamoto. You need more innings there. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with the bullpen. I like the bullpen. They've been making some quiet moves here that I think are going to be a lot louder during the season. There, there's some pretty good pieces that they've added. It, it, just in my own personal opinion, uh, you know, just looking at the Verdugo trade, like freaking Richard Fitz. Uh, this is a child friendly show. I am not going to use the the term that Jared calls him. Uh, Jared Carabas says with him, but mm-hmm. Richard Fitz, man, that's another. That's a guy that could really end up having a spot in that bullpen down the road. Like they're making good little moves. In my opinion, they need that big move. And Yamamoto Montgomery is the dream. Montgomery, maybe another innings guy. That's fine. But right now, they're not finishing over 500. Oh, oh, oh. Richard Fitz is a big move. Richard Fitz is a big move. Um, I can't wait for the T-shirts. I want, I, I want him. I He's got to be good. So. I, I want Fitz to be. Oh good. yeah, Tyler O'Neill. He's gonna. He's gonna. Be, he looks like a Boston Red Sox. Yeah, dude. Like I'm, I feel I'm like if anyone's so similar to you, you know, right now, and I just shape. completely slipped that they added Tyler O'Neill. I think that could be a really good bat. If he's I healthy, hope. it's always if he's healthy, right? But yeah. he, he he can definitely play at Fenway, man. That, that would be a really good bat. I, I I liked the addition of him. It didn't really cost all that much, and you know, they got yeah. so much more back for Verdugo. And I think O'Neill fits so much better at Fenway than Verdugo. I also Honestly. think there was a desperation mm-hmm. level from the Yanks to land Verdugo because they knew Soto wasn't a lock at that point. So I now they, they very, yeah, I think for Verdugo he adds that contact bat for the Yankees, the different bat, right? We'll see what he ends up being. Like I, I honestly think Verdugo is going to be more of like that fourth outfielder kind of guy, unless like, when Jason Dominguez is right. ready to go. But who knows? Maybe Dominguez ends up not being ready to go, and Verdugo ends up maybe doing well. So not not only not only Verdugo, but Soto, of course, the big one, but even Trent Grisham. They went from having no lefty outfield <laughs> yeah, bats, not, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no lefty outfield bats to you know they might be tr- they might either be trading or you know, like DFA and Grish within yeah. the first couple months of the season, you know. Yes, yeah. because with him, you still don't have a lefty bat, unfortunately. <laughs> you have a guy that can run around <laughs> to the outfield. That's good. Great glove. Big but that's about he's carrying he's carrying a noodle to the to the plate. All right, guys, we went a little bit longer than usual, but that's because this is a fun one. This is the this the spring break crew getting back together for some uh some, some content. Uh, Wardy, thank you for coming in. Wardy, I uh, would love for you to for anybody that's still watching. We have about a thousand people watching on YouTube. For anybody still hanging out with the uh, podcast that has not yet gotten to work or their destination. Uh, tell the people what you're cooking up over there on the YouTube channel. Yeah, well, Jim, thank you so much for having me on. I love talking shop with you guys. So every single time that's an opportunity, I would love to make that happen. Definitely need to bring you guys on my channel again in some capacity uh, prior to 
the spring training meetups that it seems like we'll be doing again, which I'm excited about as well. But uh, lacing cooking is if you're on Yamamoto watch and if you're a Mets fan, look no further. I got you covered. We're literally covering everything to a T all off season long with the club and season. You can expect regular nightly post game shows after every Mets win or loss. It doesn't matter. We're still covering them. Just everything regarding the team as a whole. And of course I talk more than just Mets. I talk baseball as a whole. You can catch me. I have my segments on Bleacher Report every now and then as well. It was just on there back on Monday. So check me out there and on Twitter at Wardy NYM along with YouTube. Greatly appreciate it. And Jim, thank you again for having me on. Yeah, I'm glad you can make it. Robbie, any any parting words of wisdom to the listeners, to those in the chat, to me or Tyler, any anything you know about form when we're trying to do bench press any 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 words of wisdom i will say two things warty stay away from yamamoto hey please. we need hey, okay. all this shit when he's gonna be a yanker daughter it's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> literally just ends up going to the blue jays and jim is just like all over the place i would I'm be like, very no, happy for jim no, if don't do it. taking a week <laughs> off the pot at that point i'm i'm done but yeah, man. I think just for for Yamamoto, man, I think we do see a decision pretty quick. It feels like there's some momentum gaining there. Mm-hmm. And um, but honestly, for the rest of the market, it's gonna be great when he's off the board because these other guys are waiting, right? Snell, Montgomery, uh, they're waiting. So Yamamoto, he there is a report out there that he wants to sign before Christmas. And according to my calculations, that's about 10 days. So mm-hmm. we should be seeing something pretty soon. And uh, I'm excited for it, man. It's really it. It's so hard to say where he goes, man. And I just think, honestly, it's. I don't even know. I don't, I don't even have the words. I don't even know what to even think. What route he goes? Because everyone has a shot, in my opinion. So it's gonna be exciting. This point uh, last year, Carlos Correa was what I was dealing with. God, so we'll, we'll that's see. right. We'll see what's Can't happening. Can't do any now more Carlos Correa streams. I'm done. Oh. I, I just get can. your uh, get your Yamamoto advent calendars now, folks. Count down <laughs> to Christmas every day. You open up, you get a little, uh, little, little, little piece of baseball memorabilia. Um, my final words, Braves fans, for those that know what I'm referring to here, don't stop believing. All right, guys, we are out of here. Thank you for coming in and spending time. Those of you live, appreciate you hanging with us. Uh, for those listening on the podcast, thank you for coming in. Make sure if you haven't subscribed, turn on those automatic downloads, rate, review, help us grow. Tell your friends. Barreled Up Podcast is the place for great baseball conversation. That's it. We're out of here. Enjoy the rest of your evening, afternoon, morning, whatever time it is where you are, guys. We'll catch you next time. 